What's up, everybody? Welcome in to our special All In Post Show, along with CJ Taylor. I am Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for being part of this podcast and this special show. Taylor, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, as always. Uh, and man, oh, man. I mean, crazy, right? Unbelievable show. 81,035 in attendance, a new attendance pro wrestling record. Um, that's just a huge day for all of us as pro wrestling fans, but definitely for AEW. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Tony Khan's got to be, you know, popping bottles uh, if he if he's into that type of thing. Because uh, <laughs> this was just an amazing night uh, for, like you said, for pro wrestling. Uh, for AEW in particular to be able to, you know, get 81,000 into that stadium. And they were rocking from from start to finish. I mean, there was really, really no drop off uh, in in this event. It was amazing to watch. CJ, the, the thing is, and this has always been this way probably for a while now, but like the tribalism that's there for pro wrestling of I'm a WWE guy, I'm an AEW guy, I'm a New Japan person. You know, ultimately, this is a win for pro wrestling. Now, I don't care about the, you know, the minority of fans out there on social media that's, you know, pouting and got their arms folded. So that wasn't my company. That's not a real number. 81,035 paid to the point where we kept hearing it's going to be over 81,000, 81,000, right? That seems like more the legit number than just like gimmick numbers. We've heard 93,000, (laughs) 95,000, like. It's like yeah. they kept saying 81,000 and it ended up 81 and some change in a pro wrestling record. I just, just watching the people in Wembley, the people in London, the people that traveled to see this show, that's so dope that this happened today. And it's just a win for all of us. You know, doesn't matter who you root for, you should be rooting for pro wrestling. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you go on social media and you just see all of this you know, back and forth between AEW fans and WWE fans. It really it really takes away from what we all come to watch this thing for in the first place, which is we, we enjoy entertainment. It's a male soap opera. We, we love it. We love the storylines. We love the, the athletes that do it. I am not in this whole AEW versus WWE thing. It's just wrestling to me. And as long as there's good wrestling on my TV, you know, uh, each and every week, I'm watching it. Yeah, you talk so much about how this is a male soap opera. There's no question it's a male soap opera, uh, not only in the ring, but outside the ring as well. We're going to go through <laughs> step-by-step this card, but there's some drama. There's all Pepsi Phil always involved. In uh, I mean, so as you're watching this show, CJ, I'm informing you about this story that came across. And if you did not see this, if you're locked in on just the show, I can understand that. But I got this here. From Fightful Select. Okay, here's the story. CM Punk and Jack Perry had an altercation backstage at All In. Details are few and far in between at the moment, but we have learned that Jack Perry and CM Punk had an altercation shortly before CM Punk went to the ring for his AEW All In match. Jack Perry was, uh, was on right before him and did a spot on a car window and said, it's real, it's real glass, cry me a river. This was shot, uh, definitely a shot at CM Punk, who had a confrontation at an AEW collision taping this summer over Perry's insistence on using real glass for a spot on the show. I do recall this. Um, We're told that Perry wasn't happy about how the situation was relayed publicly, 
by those close to CM Punk. Goes on to say that we have learned at least one side of the story, which claims that Jack Perry approached CM Punk backstage and stepped in his face and bumped Punk. Punk was said to have pushed <laughs> Perry. Perry allegedly came at Punk and got choked. Uh, we, we, we haven't heard uh, of a particular kind of choke or who broke things up. Please note this is only one side of the story. Now, Miro sees this because Miro was on way early in the show, and he said um, he was on Twitter, and he said, this was fake and untrue. And other versions allege that Punk threw a punch uh, at, at Perry. Also, PW Insider, uh, who does a great job as well over the years, has reported that Jack Perry was sent away from the venue and CM Punk was still at Wembley. Your thoughts, sir, of, of Pepsi Phil again being uh, in the mix? No, Phil, Phil, Phil. <laughs> Once, once again, where there's controversy, CM Punk is is usually right there in the mix. So does this mean now that Jack Perry is now barred from Collision? You know, for the the lifespan of the TV show. So he's not a collider. Is that what you're saying? He's not a collider now. <laughs> yeah, he's not a collider now. Uh, I mean, listen, it's it's CM Punk. I mean, we we've been through this, you know, numerous times with him. He ignites controversy. He's going to say what he wants to say. Uh, he's really not going to care about anybody else's feelings about uh, his thoughts. Uh, <laughs> uh, salute to Jack Perry for getting in his face and, you know, speaking his mind as well. But, uh, yeah, uh, don't expect Jack Perry on on <laughs> collision anytime soon. I mean, we still got to find out what the full story is. And we never really get it because all these incidents happen. It's only, as he said, she said, it's two sides of the story, all this stuff. I'm not sure exactly what the story is, CJ, but the point is, is like, just because CM Punk's involved, and I've said this before on Good Karma Wrestling, so, you know, you have to decide if you're Tony Khan, is the juice worth the squeeze, right? I mean, no matter how polarizing Punk is, it's just the fact is, is that he's always involved in something. And you can take it two ways. You can take it the WWE way, in which it's like, okay, we're going to make money with this, and then we're going to release the guy. Or you can do it the UFC way and just say, you know what? Controversy creates cash, no matter if somebody's an asshole or not. Keep them on the roster because it's interesting. There's two ways to do business in that regard. Yeah. And, I mean, if we're going to go back to a full year, uh, the fact that no money has been made of the whole elite uh, brawl out situation, you know, really speaks to Tony Khan's, you know, incompetence in putting this thing and getting these guys in a room and figuring this thing out and how to make money off of this. So now you got another situation now with Jack Perry, where again, there's money to be made off of this, but whether or not Tony Khan wants to do it and, you know, be an actual, like, owner of a wrestling promotion and, you know, say, hey, I don't care how the hell you two feel about each other. Let's get in the ring and make some money off of this. But we'll see if Tony Khan, you know, actually has the stones to do that. Or if, again, it's once again, the inmates running the asylum. I mean, ultimately, that's what we're seeing here. But again, that won't sully our great time looking at All In. And we have a poll question that's up. GKW underscore wrestling is where you could follow along on X as well as on um, Instagram at Good Karma Wrestling. But the poll question's up on X, and that is, what is your letter grade for All In? Uh, is it A, B, C, or D? You can put your vote in and also give your response to what you saw at Wembley Stadium in London. Of course, 
Good Karma Wrestling, our show is every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. You can check it out on YouTube as well. YouTube.com. Look for Good Karma Wrestling right there. Hit that subscribe button. We're over 400 subscribers. That may not seem a lot, but for where we started, uh, we're doing well, and it's because of you. So thanks so much for, for being part of it. Um, before we get into the show also, so we talked about the attendance and talked about Jack Perry versus CM Punk. Get it in the ring, Tony. Get it in the ring if you're going to do something, right? Please. Um, so we saw a lot of Mercedes Monet. Hmm. About that? <laughs> yeah, no, no, not hmm. about that. I'm talking about just seeing yeah, I know. Never mind about your no, you know, wet dreams. I'm talking about <laughs> the young lady that's in in this. She was at in the house, and they kept showing her on in, TV. CJ, what do you think? That that was not an accident. I I do not believe that was an accident. I believe that was Tony Khan's way of you know kind of extending the the olive branch. Say, hey, Mercedes, once you you're done with the uh, the new Japan thing, you know. Women's roster is right here waiting for you if you want to, you know, come in and have some uh, uh, other matches that you may be thinking about doing. There's a reason why that she's on the camera more than once. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it's 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 the grand pitch. It's the big sale uh, to get Mercedes Monet into AEW uh, would be a huge feather in the cap. Uh, for for Tony Khan, uh, it would ultimately bring a huge spotlight onto uh, the women's division. And again, now you've got a whole host of matches that you could potentially put on Mercedes Monet and Carol uh, Sheeta, uh, Ruby Soho's there. You know, Tony Storm is there. I mean, the the the, the amount of matches are endless. But yeah, keep putting that spotlight on Mercedes because eventually, I, I think she'll get over to AEW. No, no question. A, a new set of opponents, as you mentioned, and there's a lot of really terrific wrestlers, women wrestlers in AEW, but she brings that cachet, though. She brings a little something mm-hmm. extra because of now her WWE experience, her New Japan experience, a little bit on the indies, and then being able to do that, that would just be awesome. I'd love to see her in AEW for sure. So let's go through the card here because, again, just I'm just I'm grateful that we're able to see something like we saw from AEW and it, it, the idea that you have 81,000 people and like with that number and they'll be able to see the fans enjoying themselves in London. And then the announcement, spoiler alert, they're going to be there this time next year for another uh, another show. I mean, you, uh, I would imagine the tickets will sell even faster now that you know that, I believe it was August 26th of next year, that they're going to have another yeah. show. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, they They will be printing money. Uh, come this time uh, next year for for All In in London, um, especially after the card that they put on tonight, um, they can just put that on on auto and and do that type of show again next year. And I mean, the, the crowd there in, in the UK, they're they're big. They've always been hot, you know, for professional wrestling. So uh, yeah, Tony Khan just you know back out the Brinks truck. I mean, you, you're just gonna get a whole ton of money <laughs> for next year. Just it's amazing. Okay, so zero hour uh, the pre-show with Jungle Boy Jack Perry against Hook. Hook gets his FTW championship back. It's a match that I think that you need to to watch CJ because CJ watched the main um, the main show. This was on uh, X for everyone to watch if you didn't see it on Bleach Report. It's a match that's worth it because I think it's one of the best matches on the show actually, and and here's why because Jack Perry comes out. Full of piss and vinegar, clearly pissed off because of what happened with CM Punk 
So he had a little <laughs> bit extra going for him. He takes on uh, he takes on um, a hook, and so this matchup takes place pretty much outside uh, of the ring where there was some spots, man. And I gotta go back to my notes and look at the the spots that were taken there on the limo um, was pretty stiff. I mean, some great action outside. It's probably one of the better Jack Perry matches I've seen as far as the physicality outside the ring. People got to watch this. This was the FTW rules, and it was just off the hook. And so it was great that Hook is able to win, but Jack Perry still is strong. Even though FTW, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a real championship, but it, it is yeah. you know, in the eyes of Taz and, and for Hook. But uh, Jack Perry was very impressive, comes in in the limo, and they're like, What's up with this limo? And the driver runs out of there, and they did some spots through the windshield and on top of the limo that are pretty strong. So Hook uh, retains the FTW championship or wins it back for a second time. All right. Uh, Hook and, and, and Jack Perry, you talk about two of your younger um, entertainers for AEW. Uh, continue to look for these two. They're, they are incredible entertainers, uh, incredible wrestlers. Uh, I really definitely go back and look at that uh, that match uh, for Zero Hour because uh, I'm sure they put on a show. Uh, look, continue to look out for these two. Are, are yeah. they in the typical uh, realm of you know your typical you know wrestlers? No, but again, I'm all about the performance and I'm all about the story that they put into the ring. So I'll definitely take a look at that match. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Is just like watching those two. It's like the the young guys in this in this company. They'll all come up together. Hook and, and, and Jack Perry, that's pretty good for a pre-show. And then, of course, the Aussie Open, they lose the ROH Tag Team Championships to MJF and Adam Cole. I think that was probably the easiest bet on the board if you're betting this in Vegas because you got to continue to extend the story. You've heard me, CJ, and you've written about this as well on your blog about storytelling in AEW. There's a difference between AEW and WWE in this regard as far as storytelling versus having the best matches. And so from mm-hmm. this from this standpoint, the storytelling continued because, yes, was it odd for the main event to be in the pre-show for ROH Tag Team Champions? And again, to a common fan, what is ROH? And I, I, I have it, but a lot of people are like, okay, I got, I have a limited wrestling bandwidth that I can't watch everything. And so what does those tag yeah. team titles mean? Well, they beat a really good tag team in Aussie Open, and that's just extending the story with MJF and Adam Cole winning. Yeah, and I, I know uh, some people were looking for something screwy to happen in that match, you know, that leads into the, to the main event for the AEW title uh, later on. But a little surprising for some that they, you know, were able to keep the, the story going and they continued their whole best friends, better than you, baby, and then uh, uh, win the, the, the tag titles. So now that adds a little more intrigue as you get into the main card of, okay, uh, what, what's going to happen in this main match now? And that, again, like you talk about, builds the story, continues the story. Now there's an extra intrigue because it's already going to be an excellent match, you know, between those two. But now this that they have these tag titles on their, you know, around their waist going into their match. Now what's really going to happen? And so, yeah, that sets the perfect stage to uh, to get you to the main card. Okay, so speaking of that main card, we got uh, yeah, CM Punk against Samoa Joe. Okay, so it, what's interesting is is that I wasn't sure was this for the Real World's Championship or was this for uh, Samoa Joe's TV championship uh, because he is the champion of television after all. I just think here's what's interesting. So CM Punk has become John Cena in this regard. Like it's going to be 
50-50 as far as who's booing him and who's cheering him. And so that, and yeah. ultimately CM Punk wins in that regard because you could tell this was a Samoa Joe crowd. They were into Samoa oh, yeah. Joe. There's a lot of respect for him. And then like when when CM Punk tried to, I guess he's trying to do Terry Funk. I guess he was trying to do that. And it's kind of like the audience just, just spit that out. They didn't like that. And so, yeah. you know, CM Punk ends up winning. I think it should have been Samoa Joe going over to kind of extend their feud, but no, CM Punk wins. Uh, what'd you think of the match overall? Uh, overall, I mean, it, it was, it wasn't the, the classics we're used to seeing from, from those two. No, these are wily old veterans um, that, that uh, are, are more towards the, the tail end of their careers rather than being at the apex of it. Uh, but overall, um, I, I thought it was a, a, a good way to start the card. Um, you were right. Uh, as CM Punk came out, you you heard the cheers, people with the CM Punk signs up, and then you also heard the boos because it was clearly a, a Joe crowd there. Uh, there was a couple of uh, fun spots where um, uh, uh, Hurra Karana from CM Punk, <laughs> uh, yes. which was something uh, that he, he kind of pulled out of the mothballs, and then the whole uh, spot where CM Punk goes for a move, Joe get moves out the way. Uh, those uh, fun spots that that Joe um, did. That second one, um, uh, where he Punk missed and Joe walked away, and then he flung him into the announce table and busted Punk open. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a, a a pretty fun spot uh, too. Uh, again, overall solid match, uh, solid way to begin the card. Uh, Punk picking up the win. Uh, probably you you could have guessed that one. Um, I'm like you have match. Much rather uh, Samoa Joe go over. Uh, more of a I'm Samoa Joe guy. Always have been. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, just to see him go over would have been cool for me. But you know, all in all, it was still a, a pretty good match to start off. All right, uh, keep me in order here because I think we go to um, the Golden Elite. Right? Is that the match against the Bullet Club and Takeshi? Yes. Okay, let's yes. talk about that. Uh, so Omega Abushi. And Adam Page against Takeshita uh, and Bullet Club Gold, Jay White, and Juice Robinson. Uh, what'd you think of that one? I thought, again, another uh, solid uh, match. I mean, uh, kind of a back and forth uh, pinfalls, you know, close pinfalls. You really didn't know who's going to go over. I'm thinking more than likely the elite because it's, you know, it's Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, again, to have a uh, bullet club go, go over was, uh, obviously the crowd was not happy with that. Um, <laughs> uh, when the three count went, uh, they were clearly in the, in the corner of, uh, Kenny Omega, uh, and golden elite, but, uh, it was a, a lot of back and forth. Um, can you have the guns get involved too? And uh, sidebar, the guns and how they were able to kind of reinvent themselves you know, into this kind of badass tag team now, you mm-hmm. know, with their interests and things like that. That's just uh, a little side point there. But yeah, they got involved in the match. Um, uh, didn't figure into the end of the match as uh, Takashita got the win with a roll up and a little pull up on the tights on Kenny Omega of all people. So yeah. um, <laughs> I was a little surprising also that Kenny Omega, you know, took the, uh, took the pinfall on that one. But so- uh, again, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, like I just think that out of these six guys, that I need to see some single matches and some stories tied up here. And, like, 
I need to see mm-hmm. Takeshita against Kenny Omega. Like I know that Omega, especially in AEW, is not into all these you know solo classics like we saw in New Japan. But I mean, yeah. if there is a problem where Te- Takeshita has replaced Omega next to Don Callis, then I need for that to not in a six man, not in a tag team. I need to see yeah. those two go at it because I think that'd be a really great matchup. Oh, I think so too, and and, and it's got to happen sooner rather than later. You know, before the, the steam, you know, comes off of it. Uh, I mean, what, what's the point of introducing, you know, that whole story if you're not going to get a payoff for it? Uh, so, yeah, those two have to clash in the ring at, at uh, some point. Like I said, sooner rather than later, Tony. Book it. Maybe <laughs> next week. Chicago? <laughs> Chicago would be great. <laughs> It'd be great to have it. Yeah, as soon as possible. And the thing is, like, with Jay White, you know, these guys, CJ, are having fun. Um Jay White and Juice Robinson. And and here's why I say that is because of all the brutality and, and they're getting paid well, all the stuff they go through in New yeah. Japan. And they go in AEW, they're not comedy characters, but it's a little lighter. And I we know mm-hmm. that all these guys can go, but it just feels like, hey, I it's my opportunity to show a little bit more personality. We can get over that way. And we don't have to yeah. be able to just bloody ourselves and beat ourselves for 45 minutes a night. We can actually be able to get over with this crowd. I can't wait for Jay White to be able to really blossom. Juice Robinson already is a crazy character. He is mm-hmm. quintessential Joliet, Illinois. Uh, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, you talk about southwest suburbs of, of Chicago. That's that. You look at him to figure out who Jay White is. That's uh, or who, who Juice Robinson is. That's Juice yeah. Robinson. He is uh, this quintessential Joliet. Yeah, he's he's definitely that guy. Uh, yes. we're definitely looking forward to more, more singles matches from, from all six of these guys. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right in that regard. Uh, Jay White, uh, is now kind of able to be a little freer. Uh, you're seeing it more, you know, week in and week out on, on TV. He's, he looks like he's having the time of his life right now and that's good for him. And so I look forward to seeing, uh, you know, these guys being able to be in these in some long form matches if possible, because I know they can all be able to give a lot. And I love the crowd response. Golden League comes out there. I mean, it's just, it's great. So, so there's that match. Um, so what is third on here? Is this the st- stadium stampede? Is that where we go? No, it's actually the third match was for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. World Tag uh, Team with Championship. FTR and the Young Bucks. Okay. Because I got, I got scattered notes here. So FTR and the Young Bucks. <laughs> So what, what did you think of the AEW World Tag Team Championships? The finish is exactly what I thought it was going to be because I said um, on our previous show on Good Karma Wrestling, I said, listen, you're the Young Bucks. You guys are uh, vice presidents of the company. You're going to be around mm-hmm. for a while. You resign. If FTR wins, that takes no shine off of the Young Bucks. We already know how great that they are. I'm late to the party. Mm-hmm. I will raise my hand and say I was late to the party with Young Bucks because I didn't get it. Uh, now I understand. I, I, I'll raise my hand. I, you too? Yeah, I, I raised my hand too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> for the longest time, for the longest time, I did not get the Young Bucks at all. Yes. I, I just thought it, I thought it was Spot Fest Central. Um, and, you know, there was really no psychology, no storytelling uh, with their matches. This particular match, they told an absolutely fabulous story uh, in, in this match. I loved it. It was probably... Probably up there is one of my favorite matches of the night between these these two teams. Um, I was a little concerned whether the, the Bucks' ego might get in the way in terms of uh, how the match would end up uh, 
going in their favor, but the right team went over uh, in, in FTR and, and they got, I think they really need a run with these uh, world tag team titles and just take on, you know, all the other uh, tag teams in AEW, you know, really just to show just how great they are. A um, bunch of false finishes. I'm looking at my notes. Um, uh, it looked like uh, at one point I was like, ah, the Bucks are going over. <laughs> you know, at one point, but then they kick out and then they uh, got a second shatter machine for the uh, for the win. Uh, it was really good from start to finish. And, and from the Bucks, I will give them that credit. From a storytelling perspective, they did it. This is one of the things that's been, I think, at least for me, has been a criticism of, of the Bucks is being able to tell a story. Uh, with with their matches, and they told an absolutely great story with this. It's exactly uh, what my disconnect was with the Young Bucks for a long time. Like, you appreciate the action, but, but what you wanted is yeah. for you to be able to say, okay, what story are you trying to tell? Now, again, uh, for some, it's just like, thank you for the action for 20 minutes or 30 minutes when they're in there, but, you know, this at least it was laid out. Okay, so this is the rubber match between these two tag teams. You are off. You're the office. Does the office win as a vice president, a couple of vice presidents, or does FTR win? I love. I love tag team wrestling. I might be one of the few, but I love tag team wrestling when it's really great. Um, and yeah. I just think that those two, the, those four, put on a great show. Didn't surprise me that that was the case. I think the finish was perfect. And this, and by the way, see, they, this will not be the last time that we'll see those four in the ring together oh. because. They make music together, and it's great. No, it definitely will not be the last time you, you see these uh, two teams in the ring. Uh, this is one of these kind of, you know, fight forever, you know, uh, type of rivalries between these two. It was mm -hmm. much like in WWE uh, back in 2017, 2018, a new day, and and uh, the Usos went back and forth uh, with each other, just putting out banger after banger after banger. This is what you're going to get between FTR and the Bucks. Um, because they're both teams uh, are, are really just that good. Uh, they can put on these these type of matches. All right. Do we get the stadium stampede yet? Yes. Now we get to the stadium stampede, and oh boy, what bad? Um, <laughs> if, if, you, if you're a fan of of, of of blood and plenty of it, if yeah. you're a fan of like sickening moments and plenty of them, this match was for you. I mean, oh I mean, boy! Uh, this, this this is why this is why John Moxley could not wait to get out of WWE because oh, yeah. I mean, because before WWE he was in CZW and a couple of these other organizations where he could bleed and use thumbtacks and all this other stuff and it's kind of like you know like, I I understand that they do car crash wrestling I know Moxley loves that I know some yeah. fans love that but it's kind of like okay. So when does it stop being special? Like, like because I've seen it on Dynamite, I've seen it on Collision, I've seen it on Pay Per View. So it's like, so when does it stop being special? Like, okay, so Moxley's out there, so he's gonna bleed again. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something to be said about when I when you do bleed or when you do use glass or when you do use these things, it's special. But when I see it often, it's like, oh, this is the match where they're gonna use everything in the ring, and it's kind of like. It seems like that cuts off a section of the audience. If I guess if you're into it, it's awesome. But if you're not, it's kind of like, well, it's not special anymore. And I, I know I sound old school in that regard, but that does matter. Like, so when you see John Moxley, when you see the, com the uh, Blackpool Combat Club, 
look for violence. Violence is fine. Got no problem with that. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like the same stuff. Like, what else, CJ, can you use besides glass and thumbtacks and chairs and tables and, like, barbed wire, you know, two-by-fours? It's like, at some point, you you run out of things to use at the Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, wasn't it just, a, like, a blood and guts match, you know, recently where, you know, most, if not all of these tools were also being used. You're right. It, it does kind of take away from the, the the novelty of it. And and then if you're going to have, you know, these type of matches, you know, stadium stampede or a blood and guts, it, it needs to be like a, a blow off to something. And, and then you kind of move on to, you know, whatever the next story is. John Moxley and bleeding, they just go hand in hand. If he's not bleeding in the match, now I've got problems. Because... <laughs> Because that's that's his mo. He bleeds. Uh, but yeah, there was some there was some spots in here. Uh, Santana power bombing Penta, you know, onto the chairs in the ring was a, was a pretty sick spot. Uh, Orange Cassidy getting stabbed in, by a fork. I mean, <laughs> it was just just insanity for you know twenty plus minutes. And uh, like I said, if you're into just car wrecks and just blood and guts and violence, then that that was an awesome match for you. Um, I don't know what the end result of all that was, but it was just a car wreck. Yeah, it was. I mean, John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, Santana and Ortiz. Santana and Ortiz, they don't like each other, but yet they can do business with each other. They legit don't like each other, but they find a way to work together. Um, Eddie Kingston comes out there. <laughs> his Ewing 33 <laughs> jersey bleeding, uh, Orange Cassidy <laughs> bleeding, like, uh, you know, Penta, best friend. I mean, just just craziness. And, you know, Eddie Kingston is the guy that stands out to me the most because he's the one that wants you to know, hey, what I'm doing is real. Just so you know, like, everything I'm doing, everything's legit. Yeah. I don't like these people. There actually is pro a problem between him and Claudio Castagnoli, but again, you got to be office, you got to be business and do the th right things, but He's a guy that takes it seriously, and so he's into it as well. I guess what it, it comes down to is if you don't like the violence, appreciate the stars that's in the ring trying to provide, you know, entertainment. That's exactly what we saw. Yeah, kudos to all ten of them for being able to uh, to to do this match and and take the type of punishment that they all took. Uh, in that, I mean, I, I listen. I, I feel for Renee because uh, anytime you have to sit there and watch your husband take like skewers, you know, <laughs> into your husband's skull and all these other types of things that happen to him. Like she at some point has to be like, all right, John, knock it off. <laughs> no, there is no knock it off. <laughs> there is no knock it off. Like, yeah, yes, there should be something where she says, okay, John, you know, it's us. You know, I'm a wife. We've got a child here. Do you think that this is smart for the long-term health of yourself and our family? No. She just allows it to happen. Like I, I, I couldn't do that to to my significant other, but he's it, it's a living for him. I mean, it's like breathing for him. him bleeding is like breathing for him. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, if it works for her household, great. But uh, uh, man, that that was just a lot of unneeded and unnecessary punishment for all ten of those guys in that ring. So before we move on, this stadium stampede versus other stadium stampedes. Now, of course. Now, during the pandemic, a little bit after that, we're used to seeing the stadium stampede, like no fans in Jacksonville, but yet all these spots that they can edit and all this stuff. 
is where is this right amongst the other stadium stampedes that they've done? Uh, this one was pretty up there just for the the, the spots uh, itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, uh, I was sitting there watching it, and uh, once the skewers went to the into Moxley's oh. head, I was like, oh, "Okay, I see where this is going. <laughs> this is this is this is going to be the the, point, the clear definition of just wild." Uh, it's it's pretty up there uh, in terms of some of their other you know just crash car uh, matches they've had. It's uh, uh, it's pretty good. And and again, when you've got John Moxley involved, you can expect these type of things. Don't forget to check out the uh, the podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Look for Good Karma Wrestling. Hit that subscribe button also on YouTube as well. YouTube.com. Look for Good Karma Wrestling there, and uh, we have our show every. Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific Live uh, on YouTube. All right. Uh, what is next? Because I got scattered notes everywhere. Do we do we get to uh, Soraya? Yes, the women's world title, uh, the four-way, uh, was the next match with Soraya, uh, Hikaru, uh, Hikaru uh, Tony Storm, and... Uh, Dr. Britt Baker. Dr. Britt Baker, yes. Uh, this one was a, a bit of a sprint. I noticed that they probably did not get as much time as the other matches on the main card, uh, mm-hmm. but it was still some uh, good spots. Uh, Tony uh, Storm accidentally uh, knocking out uh, Soraya's mom, you know, outside yes. of the ring <laughs> was a, a pretty funny spot uh, that pretty much, uh, I guess, has led now to the end of the social outcast, maybe. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yes, I, I think so, too. But at least the story was set up. Where, as you mentioned, like Tony Storm, who, by the way, this character is great. I mean, she's a 1950s. Absolutely. She's turned into a 1950s actress. It's, it's perfect, right? Yeah. The old robe, the look. She already looks, has that look with her hair. She looks like an old time, right. you know, old time actress. And the, her promos are perfect. This is, this is a Tony Storm we haven't seen before. And it gives a little character, and I like it, you know, like a Betty Grable, mm-hmm. like old school stuff, and I think it's great. Yeah. And so she <laughs> she does that to Soraya's mom, and we know the the Soraya story. No, no, not that story. I don't I don't mean that yeah. story with Brad Maddox. <laughs> no, the other story. I don't yeah, mean the Brad other Maddox one. now. <laughs> That's not what I mean. <laughs> I want to make sure it's very clear here. I'm not talking yeah. about you know New Day rocks and Brad Maddox in there. No, 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 no. Which is, by the way, available now if you like, want to check that out. It's, it's still there. CJ watches at least once a week. But I, I, I just want you to know uh, that uh, Soraya with her family there. And of course, her mom was a wrestler in the UK. And so mm-hmm. just the idea that her family's there, Soraya wins. Let me tell you, I understand why she won because they're in the UK. Yeah. Eh, I, I don't know what kind of champion she's going to be because I think it's just been um, just been okay. Her return to AEW, like her first match against Dr. Britt Baker, Baker walked her through the match, walked her through it. Mm -hmm. You saw this, right? I mean, it's like a year ago. She's walking her through it. And, uh, and so I'm watching that and I see this four way. And I think that that was pretty cool. Um, Tony storm with that sprint, which does that. And then of course, you know, Soraya cheats and the Tony Storm gets the spray in her face so Soraya can get the mm-hmm. pinfall. I mean, so I, I like that that uh, the trio, but looks like them, as you mentioned, might be a little bit of dissension with this group now. 
yeah, uh, it looks that way. Um, uh, I, I kind of agree with you uh, with the the call of of Soraya going over in her home country. Um, it's kind of the, the, the feel good moment, you know, so she can celebrate, you know, with her family and uh, her, her countrymen uh, in England. Um, I'm a little disappointed because Hikaru had such a, a short run with the yes. AEW title. I, I was looking for a bit of a longer run with her. Um, but, you know, who, who knows? Maybe she can get it back. I don't know if this will be a transitional uh, championship run for, for Soraya, you know, once they get back to the States. Um, but uh, I kind of wanted to see Hikaru go over uh, in, in this match. It was a cool match, you know, nonetheless. Um, you know, you, you got the ending that you wanted with with uh Soraya celebrating with her family. Um, just yeah, her her run up to this point um, was a little been a little shaky. Um, so we'll we'll see we'll see what what else happens for her. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was a little bit more interested though in in the cars because I think she deserved the run. The girl definitely deserved a, a bigger, longer run uh, with with the belt, and she could have had some other uh, matches that she could put on too. But uh, we'll, we'll see what else happens. Yeah, I don't like the idea that Arcaro Shida was a transitional champion. Uh, you could have done that. You could have done that a different way. I think that people yeah. are going to get a bond. I'll put it this way: I prefer her as champion than uh, the other champion that we see on AEW. The other women's champion that we see on AEW. I I, I think that Arcaro Shida had an opportunity to really be able to go some places here. She's a very very solid wrestler, and I just think that. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't have been a transitional champion. I, you know, Soraya. Now I don't know if she's going to be a babyface or heel. How to explain this in the next few weeks? But it just kind of like to me, she just should have the opportunity to have the championship a little longer so we can see her in, in other matches. Yeah, uh, there was also another spot in that match where Ruby Soho uh, tried to come out and play like peace peacemaker between the two, and uh, I think Tony accidentally uh, took her out as well, and she ends up coming out of the ring. Uh, so, yeah, it definitely looks like that thing uh, with social outcasts is imploding. Uh, it's Soraya face and sheer heel. I mean, she did some heel-type tactics to win. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I actually prefer Soraya as a heel uh, at this yeah. point going forward. But, yeah, um, uh, yeah, it looks like the whole social outcast thing. It also gives Tony Storm uh, a chance to really dive into this, you know, 1950s, you know, starlet character uh, that she's like really just sinking her teeth into I'm loving it, by the way. It's very entertaining for sure. Um, so we'll keep our eyes on the women's championship. She got the champ. Soraya gets the championship because they're in the UK. Awesome. All right. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, so then we go to Sting and Darby Allen against Christian Cage and Swerve Strickland. There's some controversy there we'll talk about in a moment. But first, okay, I'm here to tell you, CJ, that um, I really think that AEW's done a better job with Sting than WWE did with The Undertaker. I I really do. Because Sting's not there out there every week wrestling, but he does make appearances. Mm -hmm. And then when he does make an appearance, he does something crazy like, I don't know, become Joker Sting or do the damnedest thing, putting his whole body on Swerve Strickland right through a table. Like, like that's wild to do that to Swerve Strickland. (laughs) I mean, at at his age, right? He's almost 65. Because of the face paint and because of the hair dye, and because he's still in great shape, you don't know he's sixty, almost sixty-five. But the point is, though, right. is that the the, rea- the reaction it start with the music, right? The music comes, mm-hmm. then you get the Firefly Funhouse effect because they, they the arena's yeah. dark and you get the lights on. I'm like, 
that whole scene, the entrance was cool for Sting and Darby Allen. Oh yeah. I mean, that was, uh, um, that was really a cool sight to see. Um, an awesome tribute to, uh, Bray Wyatt. Um, and it was, uh, uh, it was a, a little emotional as, as well, but just a cool, such a cool entrance uh, for Sting and, and Darby Allen. And, and then the match uh, itself, like you said, Sting, every time Sting wrestles, which is not often, which is actually good for him, yeah. um, Sting always is doing like something. And I think after that first table spot, you know, off the apron, I was like, no, he's not going to do this again, is he? Yeah, he is going to do this again. Because <laughs> you need to get it right. <laughs> so he does the the, uh, the thing off the apron again and, and gets uh, swerved through the through the table. And, you know, the crowd goes nuts. And, you know, that's Sting. That's his his love for uh, for the business. Um, it's his love for entertaining. And like I said, the fact that he's still doing this in his mid-60s, uh, still able to move around as well as he does in his mid-60s. That was pretty awesome. Um, but uh, Darby uh, also taking a dive, you know, off and missing uh, Strickland and then hitting the, the, the casket, like, flush on his back. That was just like, that was a wicked spot. Um, it was, at, at that point, I thought, well, might Christian and, and, and Swerve go over? But, uh, no, the right team went over here with, with uh, Sting and Darby Allen. Uh, it was a pretty cool match uh, overall. I, I, I like that match as well. So <laughs> there's only a few places on earth that really get it as far as we as fans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, there's New York, smart crowd, Chicago, yeah. Los Angeles, right? There's, there's certain places that understand what's really going on. Uh, Toronto's another one. Detroit's another mm-hmm. one. You go to the UK, like everybody's smart. Everybody understands what's going on. They read everything. They watch everything. But you get Christian Cage and Sting in the ring together, and the crowd chants TNA. Did you pick up on that? They chanted TNA, CJ. I'm like, now wait a minute now. Okay. Oh, there was only a few people that watched TNA? No, everybody was watching TNA because this is in the era they're talking about is when you had Bischoff and Hogan and you had Flair and you had like, you know, AJ Styles and you had all the stars, right? So yeah. To, to, to a, a, a London crowd, for them to think, wait a minute, that's Christian Cage and Sting in the ring. That reminds me of TNA. TNA, TNA. And I'm like, <laughs> of all things, right? How smart is that crowd to be like, we haven't seen you guys together since you were in the asylum in Nashville <laughs> or whatever, right? <laughs> That's crazy, but the fans understand. They know they're smart. Yeah, uh, that was. Uh, I, I instantly started chuckling when they were, when they were screaming that. <laughs> I was like, "All right, you, you know the the London UK crowd. You know, big thumbs up. You guys understand. You get it. You understand what this thing called professional wrestling is about. To to be able to bring that up, you know, because if if you're an outsider watching that, you think, "Oh my God, this is such a cool moment." You know, Christian yeah. and Steam. We've never seen. Yeah, we we have seen this before, and that's and that's why a smart crowd can can pick that up instantly and make that chant. So again, kudos to the London crowd; they were great all night. I mean, I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I did watch them in TNA. Yes, I did see them. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, I, like in my in the back of my mind, like yeah. But just for them to be able to scream it out, 
hey, I'm in London, but I remember you guys. You guys were in TNA together. Just like it just shows you that UK crowd. It's just amazing. Yeah. It's just all I just all the bumps that Sting took, um, and that Darby took, you know. We talked about that stadium stampede matchup, but those two, as we mentioned, Sting's out there out there every week, but he's willing to do things we didn't see in Mid South in 87, 88, not with Ric Flair in the NWA. That whole run uh, in WCW, that whole run in TNA, uh, his short run WWE. We didn't see Sting do any of these things, but now that he's you know old and gray, and maybe in some places. Uh, he's doing these bumps, and I just and Darby Allen, dude, that's wild. That when you take that coffin bump, you're on the top rope, and you you land back first onto a coffin. That's wild. I mean, that does he understand? Like you only have so many bumps in your bump card. I mean, it's 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 awesome, but man, I like to see what he looks like at age fifty. Man, uh, his uh, boy, his medical bills once he's done uh, wrestling is. Whew. That, that, oh boy. I mean, uh, he's young, uh, so he can take those bumps, you know, but how many, how many more uh, of those that he can actually do? Sting should not be taking any bumps like that whatsoever. Like, he, he's actually, he's got to stop that. <laughs> or, or at least, you know, put it in, in some way where it, you, you just don't think, oh my God, is Sting broken, you know, after this bump? But uh, yeah, Darby, he's he's uh, he's just one of those cats that throws caution to the wind, you know, when he's out there and he's he's willing to try just about anything uh, to to make a spot work. But like you said, 20 years from now, uh, I don't know how his back is going to be, but kudos for him taking those bumps. What uh, did you think of Swerve's entrance? Uh, you know, Swerve had one of the cool entrances of, of, of the evening, uh, but that's Swerve. Uh, Swerve is always going to try to, you know, do something to to uh, make make his interest pop and make his in- interests, you know, look look really cool. So, uh, you know, Swerve 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 also gets it. He gets the uh, the whole point of being an entertainer, and so he always wants to do something to 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 leave you, you know, entertained. And so his his entrance coming out. Um, uh, got a pop out there, so yeah, Swerve definitely gets it. Um, I, I, I really want to see him get a, a, a bigger push because I think he's one of those, he's one of those talents, um, that kind of flies under the radar. But man, is he really good at what he does? Yeah, like the entrance was cool, and obviously, Swerve Strickland's a terrific wrestler. He needs to start winning here. Be nice to get some oh, wins exactly. here at some point, like, yeah, sorry, I mean. You're not some veteran that you can just roll over. He's still, he's been in wrestling for a long time, but he's still very young. And so mm-hmm. if they want this to really work, I mean, this dude's bringing Rick Ross A in. And by the way, I mean, if he's got that comment, that relationship with Rick Ross, I want to see him more than once. Bring him in. He was very entertaining when he was on AEW. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, keep, keep that going. You know, why stop with just a couple of appearances here and there, you know, uh, you know, say get get swerving and sustain push, and, and you know we can see more more of it. So uh, as we talk about this, there's one little controversy with this match that we're going to talk about in just a second. Mm-hmm. Tony Khan, uh, according to Fightful Select, Tony Khan reiterates the eighty one thousand three hundred five number is paid, legit paid. He says he'd estimate about ninety thousand were there because of comps, ushers, ticket takers, and the like. So. 
I mean, he's got the books. He says 81,000 legit paid. And you know how this works, CJ? It's like you can give a number, and a lot of this could mm-hmm. be comped. It would be butts and seats, but not paid, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So this is what Tony Khan is saying because the press conference is taking place as we do our uh, live all-in special right here on Good Karma Wrestling. Um, one other thing, Tony Khan confirms that there was a physical incident tonight before the pay-per-view went on the air. He can't comment on it. It's under investigation. So he, he was asked, and it's under investigation. He can't comment on it. Another one. So, again, going back to Pepsi Phil. Dude, at some point, you've got to think, whatever happened, if it involves CM Punk, the juice is not worth the squeeze. And I'm a Chicago guy. Like, I, I respect CM Punk as a performer, but this bullshit behind, you know, behind the scenes, you can't keep having this and think that the company's going to run smooth. Somebody's got to be an adult in the room and just say, okay, another incident, Phil, another one. Let me ask you a, que- let me ask you a question, CJ. How often would WWE allow this or some other company or just your job? How long would they, would, or my job, how long would they allow this to well, happen? Well, with my job, definitely zero. <laughs> yeah. But uh, 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 Vince, uh, maybe once. Uh, if it happens again, like somebody, either somebody's getting fired or, you know, Vince is pulling these people in the rings. Like, look, I don't give a damn what goes on. This nonsense stops and we put this in the ring to make money. Uh, Tony has to be the adult in the room. Has to. He's the, at the end of the day, he's the owner. He's the bookmaker. He has to be the one to rein in everyone and say enough of this nonsense. You're, you're, too many of these instances, you know, backstage, outside of the ring, uh, are really okay. They they say no, uh, even bad news is is you know productive or good news or things like that. Yeah. No, you have to be able to rein in the asylum. You have to. You cannot continue to go on with this because. But, what are you gonna split and now make a third show? You know, to to appease CM Punk. And look, I love CM Punk. Uh, uh, love them. You know, even back in the ROH days. But you cannot continue to allow him, uh, in particular, to have these you know backstage skirmishes. You know, and and just try to smooth things over. You know, to appease his ego or the egos of of other wrestlers. At some point, Tony has to stop. And I don't. This this. Definitely would not have happened under Vince McMahon. I don't think it happens under Triple H. You know, with Triple H, you know, at, at the helm right now, it, it it just speaks to the dysfunction, you know, that continues to happen with, with AEW, and they really don't need this, especially when they are doing the uh, the type of shows that they're doing right now. We we saw how how great this card was tonight. We know next week in Chicago is going to be awesome at the United Center. You know, when you have these type of events, you have to be able to build off of that. And the only way you're going to be able to build off of that is that you have, for more or less a better term, a united uh, locker room. I don't give a damn if they do hate each other, <laughs> you know, in real life. Are you guys able to get in the ring and make money off of this? And now we've seen with the with CM Punk and the Elite. We're, now we're probably going to see with CM Punk and Jack Perry, you know. Uh, these entities not being able to, you know, squash whatever beef this is, and let's make money off of it. It, it, it. 
it it goes back to Tony Khan. I will continue to stress that, you know, until the end of time. He has to be the one to rein all this in. Yeah, I mean, that's just the bottom line. Yeah, you you nailed it. You know, Jerry Jarrett, the longtime Memphis promoter, said, like, you know, personal issues draw money. Who would say, yeah, Jack Perry and CM Punk had a backstage uh, incident? Yeah, I don't want to see that. Well, yeah, you do want to see it. I mean, we, and yeah. the thing is, is that's got to also has to stop is, is that if you're going to fight legitimately and there you guys are bitching and moaning at each other, then we need to put it in the ring. I don't want to wrestle CM Punk. I don't want to see CM Punk. Then why are you, why are you continue to complain about him or do side eye stuff or do slick shit on uh, on mm-hmm. social media? You know, you can't mm-hmm. you can't keep doing this. Either it's business or not. And if it's personal, that personal has to get into the ring. You got to work and work together so that way it helps the company overall. Otherwise, it's just like all these incidents happen. Like I, I I put it this way, as I mentioned with UFC, you think Dana White wouldn't put that in the in the in the cage, of course he would. There's no question that he would. The main event. Yeah, it's the main <laughs> right, event. Exactly. Why is <laughs> Why is Conor McGregor still around in UFC? A guy that's been arrested several times and and more trouble than probably the UFC is worth. But the point is, like, when you put him in a fight, no matter what's been going on, he can draw money. John Jones, the same way in the UFC. Put mm-hmm. him in the cage, see what happens. Even though these guys probably shouldn't even be in the sport, they do it because. Yeah there's money that could be made from it. So, and as long as you can make money off of it, why not put it in the ring? Why not? Uh, this is, it, 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 CMFTR versus the elite is the match that everybody wants to see. Why hasn't this happened yet? It's been, it's been a year now. Yeah, Literally it's, it's been a year. The, uh, the, the last thing about, uh, we'll talk about with Sting and Darby Allen against Christian Cage and Swerve Strickland. So if this has to come out on Wednesday, at least it has to. I mean, if I'm Swerve and I get Mike time, I'm going to do this. Man, my locks were hanging outside of the uh, of the coffin. It did not close all the way because my <laughs> locks were still hanging out. So not a victory. I would have that as a technicality. I'd have Prince Nana be able to draw that up, circle it like they do a replay. Hey, you think you guys had me in there, but my locks are hanging out. So it's not an official victory in the coffin match. No. I, I thought I was the only one that saw that. I was like, wait a minute, match not over. This match isn't over. His dreadlocks are outside of the coffin. That's right. Uh, yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, if, if you want to, uh, I mean, that angle writes itself uh, to where you can get a match between uh, Swerve and Darby Allen. Like, hey, look, uh, see, you see this on the TV. You see that? Just blow it up real big, you know, on yes. Dynamite on Wednesday. You know, yeah. I demand a rematch. Uh, but, oh, definitely. Yeah, the match shouldn't end it. It's drag lots route. It's a part of him. <laughs> even if it was not part of the of the story, even if it was a mistake, it still should be like, hey, you see this right here? My locks are hanging out. Yeah. Not closed. You can't bury somebody <laughs> with somebody's locks out. It's got to be completely inside. So I want my that's right. You know, that's right. <laughs> I just think that's funny. Um, Chris Jericho against Will Ospreay. So my partners on Good Karma Wrestling were balking at this and saying, oh, nobody wants to see this match. This match is because I understand that Will Ospreay's a killer and he's crazy. Mm-hmm. And and Chris mm-hmm. Jericho, I've called him the Tom Brady of AEW in that he's done everything. He's just been tremendous as a as a in a real pro. When you need an adult in the room, Chris Jericho's been that. 
Think about all the stuff that yep. you read, CJ, about AEW, the behind the scenes and people snapping each other. Chris Jericho, nothing, nothing. He's a he's a model citizen back there because he knows how to be the adult. He loses the match against yeah. Will Ospreay. And okay, five-star match, six-star match, no. Chris Jericho is an older cat. He can still be able to do some things in the ring. Mm -hmm. He wasn't embarrassing at all. Mm -hmm. But Will Ospreay is like, he is just a cut above, right? We're talking about top five wrestler in the world and Will Ospreay. Oh, yeah. Who just wrestled Absolutely. at Red Pro the night before, uh, which I wish I, I want to see anything Will Ospreay because he's just a, an amazing talent. But okay, yeah. there was there, there was some some missed uh, spots. Yes, yeah, Chris Jericho, mm -hmm. he's over fifty, but you know what? It's still they told a great story, and Jericho mm -hmm. afterwards was pretty pissed off. So I don't know what that means afterwards, but I thought it was mm -hmm. you know a, a solid match. Again, not great, but it was solid, and it really was able to showcase what Osprey can do. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with you. Uh, I was listening in on you guys on on uh, Thursday, you know, talking about the match. Um, uh, I myself thought, you know, yeah, Chris is over 50. He's going to be able to do what he needs to do to make this match work. Um, that we obviously knew we weren't getting the, uh, New Japan, well, Will Ospreay yeah. <laughs> that was just going to go in and try to murder somebody in the ring. Uh, but they told, they told an entertaining story. Um, that German suplex, uh, that Jericho put on, on uh, Osprey on the apron, that that was nasty stuff right there. That was yeah. a, that was a really uh, that was a really cool spot. Um, it was a, it was it was a quality match. I, I really uh, I enjoyed it. Um, it was slowed down a little because obviously it had to be slowed down a little because of Jericho's age. Uh, but I don't think that took away from the story um, at all of what they were doing in the ring. Um, uh, that sky twister off the top rope from uh, Will Osprey, you know that's. That's uh, that's that's vintage, uh, vintage Will Ospreay right there. Uh, he's if I had to, like you said, put five or ten guys that you would pay money to see, you know, wrestle. Will Ospreay is right up there. He's right up there. He's top five for sure. Like you want to pay money to see this guy get in the ring. Uh, he and Jericho had a, a pretty solid match. This was um, this was the. Uh, this was just kind of your classic kind of old school, you know, type of psychology. Will Ospreay knew he couldn't go like 100 miles per hour because, you know, Jericho wasn't going to be able to keep up. I tell you, though, at these two met, you know, at both of their their peaks. This is this is one of these five, you know, five star, six star, you know, classic matches that you want to see. Uh, but nonetheless, entertaining, entertaining by both of these men. Yeah, and, and so Osprey's contract is up in New Japan pretty soon here. And, and I'm not saying he should all you know automatically go to AEW because it is it is a logjam of talent. Um mm -hmm. and it's it's very difficult for whatever reason for Tony Khan to tell the stories that I want him to tell because individually, you know, Jay White's in this company now, Juice Robinson's in this company. Like yeah. if I'm not saying that Osprey would be less than but I'm just saying that there's a guy there like him and Omega, Young Bucks, and FTR, so many others that really deserve time and and to be mm -hmm. so for for their stories to be told of why that they're solid. Not just hey, we got Will Ospreay. Yeah, well, I mean, explain to, to Dubuque, Iowa, why Will Ospreay special. That's kind of like a casual wrestling fan, right? So because ultimately the growth of AEW is about to expand. It's not about 
oh, well, I'm smart and I know who these people are from being online and watching independent wrestling online. It's about being mm-hmm. able to stretch it out, CJ, to let people know, here's why these wrestlers are special. Here's why they're an AEW. Not just because they're great wrestlers, but the behind the scenes of them as well. So I think all that matters as far as um, storytelling and growth. Yeah, um, I agree with you. And, and, you know, some of the wrestlers you name and then some of the wrestlers who really fly under the radar, who are talented, your Miro's, your powerhouse Hobbs, you know, uh, uh, your Ricky starts, you know, they continue to uh, fly under the radar because it's just so much talent inside AEW that everybody doesn't get the chance to to tell, you know, the, the stories that they, they want to tell. And to add a Will Ospreay to the, to the mix, yeah, can you get a bunch of dream matches that you would want to see? Sure. Um, but what type of stories will Will be able to tell? Um, but, you know, that, that checkbook from Tony Khan, you know, may, may be uh, <laughs> uh, a, a bit too too much to, to, to try to overcome, even for, you know, Will Ospreay. I know he loves the business. He, he loves to get in there and, and do all of these things. But, uh, you know, that, that checkbook sometimes, you know, can... Can, yeah. can make you make some business decisions. I've got a stepson, bruv, and a wife, bruv. <laughs> so uh, he's he, he's fantastic. I, I love some Will yeah. Ospreay. I don't care where he's wrestling. He's, he's always a lot of fun to watch. Um, House of Black takes on the acclaimed and Billy Gunn as we got new trios tag team champions. So Daddy Ass was not there, but Billy Gunn was there. And I said yes, to myself, the yeah, well, yeah, badass Billy Gunn. And I said to myself, self, yeah, yeah, Billy, I don't think we want to see Billy Gunn anymore. <laughs> because I'm just, I'm just telling you, like, that guy's up in age. He looks great. But, I mean, it's yeah. kind of like, I don't know. I just, for him to say, no, you're not going to see Daddy Ass, you're going to see Billy Gunn. I'm like, what's the real difference? You're still, like, three steps behind. You're, no, again, another yeah. older gentleman in the ring. Yeah. He looks great. And Billy Gunn, the acclaimed win. I thought that the one of the highlights is just the idea that House of Black hands the acclaimed and Billy Gunn the trios tag team championships at the end. A little sportsmanship. Yeah, a little, a little surprising. That's that's something. That's not something you'd expect from from House of Black um, to to be able to do that. That seemed uh, a, a little uh, out of character for them. You know, their whole brand. Uh, but good match nonetheless. Uh, I'm like you. I really don't need to see Billy Gunn in the ring uh, too much. Uh, <laughs> you know, at, at his age, uh, yeah, he looks he looks great. But yeah, he he is a a, a few steps uh, behind um, everyone else. And maybe this is his swan song. You know, one last title run. You know, in, in the sun. You know, before he he finally uh, calls it a career. Um, but uh, overall, uh, another solid match. Uh, for them, you know, we, we've seen House of Black in these trio matches uh, go uh, with some other trios before. Um, this seemed, obviously, with Billy Gunn in there, uh, a step below uh, some of these other uh, trios matches they've been in, but still solid nonetheless. Billy Gunn's pretty much in there to take the pin, either to to take the pin or maybe be there at the end. Um, yeah. But the, the acclaimed ends up uh, winning it with uh, Billy Gunn. So new trios tag team champions. Let me just say something about the House of Black before we move on to the main event. And don't forget, you can uh, go to youtube.com slash wrestling, Hit that subscribe button. We really want to be able to expand on the YouTube uh, end of things with our show that we have every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. So as always, we appreciate your support wherever you are listening and watching uh, our show here as we do our all-in post-show. Um, 
the House of Black did a really good job as trios champions, CJ. I think they really did a great job. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we we look at those three guys and we know that they all could be solo talent and could be singles oh, champions. Yeah. But I think together as a unit, I think that they did a really good job as trios champions to the point where I was like, God, who can really beat them? And they took on a lot of different people, a lot of different opponents. And I know their style is different than most in the company, but I thought that they mm-hmm. were uh, fantastic as tag team champions, six man. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they really were uh, great champions. Um, maybe they can make another run as a trios uh, with a trios title. Um, I really would love to see uh, Malachi Black uh, get a singles run. I mean, he's he's just that damn good to me. Um, really enjoyed his work uh, when he was uh, over at NXT. Um, just to see him kind of get a singles push, I, I would really like uh, Buddy Murphy, you know, same way, underrated uh, performer in, in the ring. Uh, would like to see him get a push as well. Uh, but, but again, it's like we talked about before, you know, trying to get these these performers to be able to tell their individual stories. Um, and sometimes you have to be put into a trio you know, to, to kind of make that work. But I would love to see uh, really all three of them um, to, to make some some singles runs and have some uh, some good singles matches. Well, you know, we saw at the House of Black, there's four of them there, and they're, the fourth member got, uh, she got woman handled. Well, you know, it happens. <laughs> oh, it, it's not the race. Oh, <laughs> Come on now, that ain't right. <laughs> Guess she's been getting. I guess she's been getting her comeuppance for a while for her interference, right? Yeah, it's it, it's been a long time coming. So, uh, uh, yeah, that was another interesting spot in there. <laughs> With uh, we get to the main event, my friend. It yes. is Adam Cole against Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Friedman comes in as the AEW champion. Okay, so here's what we knew. We look at that one of those last few interviews from Adam Cole, and he starts to get heated up. He starts to get a little angry and he gets a little pissed off because people think he's going to backstab MJF. So I think it was clear coming into today's pay-per-view that Adam Cole was going to be the aggressive one first because mm-hmm. Maxwell Jacob Friedman is just in love. He just loves the idea that he has a, a friend, a friend, in uh, Adam yeah. Cole. Nothing's going to happen there because he's got a friend. But you can start to see the levels of the personality of Adam Cole, the heel Adam Cole that we know, start to come out. And we saw Mm -hmm. the aggressiveness early in this matchup. We did. We did. Uh, There were a couple of moments um, in in the match where MJF wanted to pull the trigger on a move, needed to pull the trigger on a move, uh, but for whatever reason, couldn't. Because this is my best friend. I can't do this to my best friend. And Adam Cole, being a cerebral person that he is, is like, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) because I am that person and I am the type of person that can and will pull the trigger uh, on on that. So yeah, a great storytelling by both of these, uh, both of these men uh, telling the story. Uh, MJF just wanting to have a match with his friend, but not not wanting his friend to, to get hurt or, you know, let's just have a match straight up and, you know, let's just wrestle. And, and Adam Cole's like, Nah, fam. I'm I'm really here to to like win. Yes. <laughs> and if I got to step, and if I got to step over you to do it, I'll do it. Um. So that was uh pretty cool. Uh. And, and then of course we we uh much like uh, uh we used to see back in the days of uh, NWA, 
We get to our 30 minute time limit. Bell rings. Double pin. Oh, it's a pinfall. Good night. No, no, no. <laughs> no. No, we, we can't do that. We, we can't do that. As soon as that double pin happens, like, ah, Fates of Dusty. We're, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a podcast you and I have to do separately. I have some information I want to tell you now that Dusty's gone long and gone, how the Rock and Roll Express felt about Dusty uh, and his booking. Ah, um, okay. But nonetheless, <laughs> you know what, man? Um, so as we watch the aggressiveness of Adam Cole, as we watch, dude, that brain buster on the stairs. Oh. Listen, let me tell you something. You need a pro to be able to do that move. It's a, a yeah. little sleight of hand there because yeah. a few inches over, that's hitting the edge of the stairs on, on MJF, and that could have been really serious. That's a dangerous-ass yeah. move to do. I didn't like that. I understand why it happened because it kind of mm-hmm. showed Adam Cole's for real. Like, I know what MJF's doing, but I'm trying to beat his ass and win this championship even though we're friends, yeah. you know, better than you, baby. But that brain buster on the stairs, I want to get your thoughts on that because that was a dangerous-ass move. That's one of the big moves of the night, I thought. Yeah, yeah it was one of the big moves of the night. And uh, when he was setting that up, I was like, oh, boy, this can go really, really wrong uh, at, at, at this point. Uh, kudos to Adam for being able to pull that move off. Um, but you know, I think there's some other spots that you could have done uh, that didn't have to be that dangerous. That was um, that that was one of those spots there. Like you said, if that goes wrong, uh, man, that would have uh, really derailed uh, just not only the main event but just the the whole card itself. Uh, but you know, that's, that's some of those things where you we talk about the soft style of, of WWE. Yeah. Um, in, in some of their matches, but you know the the, the thing is, you, you've got this this story that's you know kind of come together and really been hot. Um, you don't need to necessarily pull dangerous you know stunts like that you know to tell a story within the ring. Um, I, my heart was <laughs> like coming out of my chest at that spot because I was like, oh boy, <laughs> we've seen spots like this, you and I both. Uh, where that you know goes horrifically wrong. So uh, luckily it did not uh, go wrong. He pulled it off. Uh, Adam Cole is a, a, enough of a professional um, where he he could pull that move off and, and make sure everyone's safe. But you know that that's that's not always a chance you you, you want your stars out there taken. Oh boy! And so you mentioned a double pin for a draw. As you mentioned back in the day, that would have been good night, everybody, and people would have been gone right. pissed <laughs> off and like, but you're not doing that in front of 81,000 people. That's not happening. Right. right? So, you know, it, it, those spots, and this is and this is where AEW, AEW did a really good job with the storytelling. The idea that you, they dedicated the whole MJF thing. MJF still has devilish qualities, but yet he didn't mm-hmm. want to do the tombstone on the table. And shout out mm-hmm. to AEW. Here's again a little nuance, right? So I've been noticing on Collision, on AEW Collision, that the setup is right there at ringside. They don't get that. They yeah. don't do that for for uh, Dynamite or for Rampage, but for Collision, it's been there. And you've seen the wrestlers come close to the table, and you know, the, obviously mm-hmm. there was an email: do not put your opponent through the table because the table's legit. It's not one of those breakaway things you see on Raw and SmackDown. This is a legit yeah. table. And both guys are on the table, and MJF's like, ah, oh, 
I want to do this tombstone, but I can't do it because he's my best friend. And it's kind of like, my God, man, you went from the devil to the softest dude <laughs> in the company, right? This is, but this is the this is the story they're telling though, CJ. Like, yes, yes, MJF yeah. is all yeah. in. Like, I'm not going to do this to the to to my friend. And guess what? Adam Cole's like, I'll do it to you. And so there's a difference. There's how the story's been told. That's I think that's brilliant. It it was uh, that that was. Uh, uh, one one of the more cooler spots uh, of the evening, really. Just this this reluctance. It, it kind of harkened me back to Flair uh, uh, versus Shawn Michaels at Flair's uh, WWE retirement match, where throughout the match Shawn had you know Flair in, in predicaments and he was ready to like put Flair out of his misery, but he couldn't pull the trigger because of how much love he had for Flair. But Flair was able, being the dirtiest player in the game, was able to pull the trigger. You know, and and reverse things on Sean. This was uh pretty much in that realm of of uh, Adam Cole being that guy. Like I'm that guy. Like we we may be friends, but don't get it twisted. I'm that guy <laughs> that will do anything and everything necessary to win. And um, uh, that they continue to tell that story um, uh, up until really up until the end, where you know Roderick Strong comes in. And he's he's running interference and he's telling Adam, do it, do it, you know, you know, finish it, you know, win this match. And then for a second, you know, Adam hesitates, you know, and uh, that that also, you know, again, just kind of furthers the story a little bit because everyone's expecting this turn. Everyone's expecting Adam to, to you know, be the, the Adam Cole that we all know and love this vindictive heel. But Adam for that that split second you know, has that moment of hesitancy and that allows, you know, MJF uh, to uh, uh, to get the roll up win uh, after a bunch of like crazy false finishes, uh, which you were at some point like, man, is Adam, Adam's going to go over here. And they just kind of went back and forth. Really a hell of a match. I, I love that match uh, from top to bottom. Well, um, you know, Roderick Strong involving himself, well, like you said, is very interesting. And it's like, you know, I think it's solidified now that Roderick Strong's got to feel like, okay, I can't get through to Adam Cole. I'm just going to be with my new friends, and that's it. Because it was almost like the last chance for Adam Cole to connect himself with Roderick Strong. And it just it's not going to mm-hmm. happen because the, the relationship between MJF and Adam Cole is too strong. But as I mentioned, we yeah. did get some, some tendencies here. Uh, but first of all, let me just give a shout-out to Bryce Rensburg because that guy knows I'd take a bump. Uh, and he took several oh. of them in this matchup. <laughs> I think I think Bryce is a former wrestler too, so he knows how to take the Panama Sunrise. He likes he took another bump in the matchup as well. So drama with him. But what's up with uh, MJF? He had the dynamite diamond ring. Here, here's what's so compelling and so strange about this whole thing. MJF's mm-hmm. like, no, that's my friend. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna put him through the table and blah blah blah. But he still was armed, wasn't he? He was still protecting himself just in case. Yes, uh, like he's a scumbag, but at the same time, even though he loves Adam Cole, he just in case had a dynamite diamond ring, and, and held the tights and those roll-ups like, you know, late in the matchup. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still that guy, but yet still has respect. And then, you know, it ends up being a roll-up. And this is really the MJF era of just like, just kind of like not spectacular finish, unspectacular finishes. It ends up on a yeah. roll-up. This whole thing 
This is who he is, though. And this is what it was in the 60s and 70s. It would be a roll-up like that to be able to win a match. Same thing here. It's not unspectacular. It's mm-hmm. not a real finish. It's just kind of like, okay, I got the best of you. Roll up one, two, three. That's how the match ended. And you know what? I didn't have a problem with it. I did not have a problem with it at all. It's it's the MJF way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it's basically been his his thing, you know, since he's been in AEW, and I've never had a problem with it. It, it just adds, you know, more to his character. Do what you got to do to get a win. You, you know, it, do what you have to do to get the win. Yes, he had the diamond ring ready, just in case. Mm-hmm. Because at the, at the end of the day, that world title still means everything to MGF, MJF. It means everything to him. Yet Cole's his new best friend, and he wants to have this 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 partnership and festival of friendship and all those other nonsense. But still, at the end of the day, at the bottom line, it's all about that gold that remains around his waist. Loved it, compelling, just really adding more dynamic to MJF. So uh, it's just funny how this works, CJ. So I I do recall, uh, and I know you recall this as well. When MJF and Adam Cole fell short of winning the tag team championships against FTR, Cole's like, it's okay. Hey, man, we're still together. We're still friends. It's okay. It's all right. Hey, listen. And then you had MJF crying in the corner pretty much like, I blew it. I blew it for us. We should be the tag team champions. This is ridiculous. And then it's funny how history works, right? You flip it, and then today Adam Cole loses – and MJF says, it's okay, man. We're still ROH Tag Team Champions. And there is Adam Cole throwing the championship away, the ROH Championship. Mm-hmm. And there's MJF saying, oh, you know what? I knew this was all BS. All this, you just wanted to be able to be the AEW champion. All you wanted was this belt. Well, here, take the belt if that's what you want so badly. And just like that, it's funny. We just saw this a few weeks ago, and now it's flipped now that MJF won the matchup. Yeah, Um Again, we we started off at the beginning of this thing talking about AEW and storytelling. This was this was uh, just kind of like the the chef's kiss on this. Yeah. Just a uh, great job by by both guys being able to uh, further the story along, uh, being able to recall back, you know, losing uh, the opportunity to win uh, tag team gold, and now just flipping the story. And now it's you know it's 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 Adam Cole now, the one dejected, you know, mad pissed off you know he didn't get the win that he wanted but you know here's mjf man we're still world we're still roh tag team champions we still won this thing together we can still do this we can be better than you baby and now it's adam cole once again having to make that decision of man do i, I yeah i think i really do want this it, it was really uh perfect storytelling uh again by both guys um this is this is aw's obviously their their number one story um, um, for uh, for the promotion, and uh, how long do they keep it going is, is the question. Because everyone's expecting a turn. Everyone's expecting Adam Cole to to do what he always does, um, and 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 that's uh, do whatever he needs to do to get the upper hand on somebody. But I mean, this thing is hot right now. I mean, this this, this buddy, this, this friendship between the two, is is super hot. So. If you're Tony Khan, you keep it going for a little while, even extend it past, you know, all out next week. Uh, maybe push it, you know, toward the end of the year before you have your blow off. Yeah, I think that you keep that going. And, you know, the one thing that always works in wrestling is strange bedfellows. 
Mm-hmm. And it works all the time. Right? It's always like the odd mix, the odd couple as a tag team. And can they really get along? I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. this for a long time. You know, Rock and Austin, you know, Rock and Sock Connection, all this kind of stuff. Can, can two yeah. people that are so opposite, can they get along and be a tag team? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what's to say that MJF finally goes back to being the devil? Now, here's the thing. Here's a guy here that is so talented, CJ. He's so talented as a babyface or a heel. He's just been yeah. amazing. And because yeah. the people are with him, the people want to cheer him, but he's always been so mm-hmm. rude and so crass at people. And so here he is as a babyface. I mean, almost squeaky clean babyface in which he didn't want to be able to pull the trigger on a, on a Adam Cole. But it just shows you how talented he is. Either way, they could be yeah. either, he could be either character and still get over. That's that's the mark of uh, a, a talented performer. Um, that that person is able to uh, be able to to tell the story, whether heel or face or tweener, whatever the case may be. Uh, MJF is just that that talented of a performer that he can uh, whatever you kind of put in front of him, he can sink his teeth into. And, and make it work and make it compelling. And, you know, he's, uh, it's the reason why they've got the gold around him, uh, because he's able to tell these types of uh, stories uh, and, and make it compelling. He's, he's over as hell. We know that um, uh, just by how he is in the ring, whether he's uh, a, a face or a heel. Um, yeah. But it really, it really speaks to him um, as a performer. And, having the knowledge of the business and being able to, you know, tweak his character when, when needed. Uh, uh, MJF, obviously one of my favorites, uh, regardless of, of wrestling promotion. So um, as we wrap this up, Don Callis has said in the press conference here in London after the all in show, all out show, no, it's all in, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that uh, Don Callis wants Kenny Omega against uh, Takeshida at All Out. That's what I was confused. He wants to take him on in Chicago. Callis says that Kenny has not won a big singles match since their split. So Tony Khan announces it for AEW All Out. This we're gonna get. We were just talking about that, and now we're gonna get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so that's all we asked for. Yeah. So there's some breaking news there. We was. We, it's funny. You and I were just talking about that. Hey, some of these guys have to spin off in the singles matches because it'll. Mm-hmm. Rock the house, and now we're gonna get that. Um, Soraya tearful in her press conference saying that she thought she'd never wrestle again and she always wanted to be part of AEW since it started, and now she's a champion again. Even though you and I are kind of like thumbs in the middle about this, the bar, mm-hmm. uh, we're a little, little thumbs in the middle <laughs> about it. We're, we're just kind of like, you know, she's in London, she's in her in front of her family, she wins the champ. Now, yeah. again, I don't know what kind of champion she's gonna be, I think she's just been okay since she's returned, but she's. Yeah. Very tearful in her uh, in her press conference here that I'm reading. So she's just happy to be a champion. Yeah, uh, you know, like we said before, we'll, we'll see where this goes. Um, um, I, I think probably going forward from a storyline perspective, um, you've got something kind of already made uh, between her and Tony Storm and Ruby Soho, um, where probably the three of them will probably end up clashing. Uh, for the AEW Women's uh, uh, Championship going forward. You, you've got a, a nice little story to tell there. Um, outside of that, um, we'll, we'll see what else uh, uh, happens uh, with Soraya because uh, she 
she's uh, she's a talented performer, um, but her run, you know, to this point has been kind of so-so. So, you know, maybe this is this this thing with the social outcasts and how this whole thing implodes, you know, maybe the vehicle for her to kind of really like rev up because uh, she's, you know, still uh, still capable of, of putting on matches, but she's really going to need the uh, someone across from her uh, to really be able to elevate her to the next level. We get uh, this matchup as well, Orange Cassidy and Penta. That's set up for this week as well. I, I know your 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 <laughs> your co-hosts are gonna love that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, so I I mean I'm all for it, but it's like Orange Cassidy. He has been that dude, a workhorse. Some mm-hmm. would say, oh, he's out there every week, but clearly he gets ratings. No matter time when he comes out there, people want to see what he's going to do, and he has improved so much. Another guy I didn't get when he first came to AEW. I'm like, what does this do with his hands in his pockets? And how come yeah. he, has, he has no charisma? He actually, here's how you know. When little kids dress like Orange Cassidy and they, they respect mm-hmm. what he does in the ring, I get it now. And he has evolved to me as a performer in AEW. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, too, like you, I didn't understand the whole shtick, you know, uh, when he first started. Uh, but I just kind of took a step back, just paid attention to him a little more. Um, he always gets, you know, pops every time he come he comes out. Uh, obviously, the connection that he's made with the, with the fan base um, is 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 real, and uh, it's it's strong um, because they really root for this dude and they pull for this dude. Um, and he he puts on he puts on uh, really good matches. Like you said, he really has improved. Uh, so it's interesting. I'll be interested in, in, in looking at that match as well. So uh, I'm still, you know, as we do the show, obviously, I was looking for some news. Looks like everything is uh, closing down with the press conference. And again, the lead story is 81,000 people, CJ, 81,000 people, 81,035, a new attendance record for professional wrestling paid. That is a pro wrestling record. There's there's been big crowds. You got to just understand where I come from and where CJ comes from. And look. We've seen every WrestleMania. We've seen the big crowds all over the country for WrestleMania. We've seen world class in the sold out Cotton Bowl or Dallas Stadium at the time. And, you know, some mm-hmm. some years good, some years not so good. We've seen Junkyard Dog, at least read about it, Junkyard Dog <laughs> and Michael Hayes at the top of the card at the uh, Superdome selling out the Superdome. They say sell it out. They, at least it was a, a great crowd for a regional promotion. Yeah. You know, you get. 25, 30,000 people in the Superdome, that's still pretty strong. And they had Superdome records in the past for Mid-South. Mm-hmm. And you just think about, like, all the wrestling that we've seen in North America. And then you get this one here where we were thinking for years, wow, there are no big events in the U.K. anymore. Not since, and then we kept talking about 92 with Bret Hart and yeah. David Boy Smith, right? We kept mm-hmm. referring to it like, wow, you know, WWE won't do it. How come WWE won't do it? Well, because of cost, pal, and because, you know, the, the time difference. I heard all kinds of excuses. And Tony Khan mm-hmm. was like, yeah, I don't understand. What do you mean time difference? What are you talking about? Like, no, we're going to have this show because I have a soccer team and that's Fulham, and I know that, I mean, at, at first, right, Wembley Stadium. You mean like the arena? 
No, no, the stadium, <laughs> right? And yeah. for them to be able to put their balls on the table and like, yeah, we'll draw. And I remember when it first came out and I was talking to my co-host on Good Karma Wrestling. They're like, you know, what if they get like 30,000? I go, no, I say it's the UK. They're going to sell it out. No. Yeah. yeah. And and, and uh, the other thing about that is, and I just want to get your thoughts on this, is, is that it's AEW, CJ, that says we're coming to Wembley and did not have a main event in place. Did not have a card in place. Mm-hmm. That's when you know that you're growing as a company that AEW's coming to town. They're going to be at Wembley? Oh, I got to be part of that. I got to see what that looks like. Because that's not what we saw here today with MJF and Adam Cole. It's an extension of a story. It's not the fin- You think a, a crowd like that should be the final part of the story. Mm-hmm. This ain't Hogan Andre. This is not Rock Hogan. This is not Austin Rock or Austin Michaels. This is just an extension of a story. People are saying, yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'll fly overseas to see it. No, I'll be in London. I'll go to see it. So this is why today, and we're doing this special show because we just saw history today. No matter the card, we just saw many fans be to say, "I love professional wrestling, and I want to see this." It speaks to, it speaks to this this thing we love called professional wrestling, and. It, it speaks to the worldwide reach um, that it really has. That you could take a stadium uh, like Wembley Stadium and pack over eighty-one thousand people. Like you said, they announced it several months ago. Nothing was in place. Tony Khan yeah. just made the announcement: "Hey, we're coming to London. We're going to be at Wembley Stadium. We're going to be there in the end of August. You know, get your tickets." There was never a question of who was going to be there. We were all asking these questions, you know, who's who's going to be on the card, who's going to show up, would it be this person or that person? The audience in London didn't care. They didn't care because it was about being able to see professional wrestling up front live in the UK. And for the life of me, I have never understood why it has taken so long um for wwe and even other promotions to to go over there because we know um how rabid of a fan base uh, uh that is over there in the uk how much they're into professional wrestling how smart they are about professional wrestling uh, the the knowledge of, of professional wrestling that they have the lineage you know that comes uh out of professional wrestling in, in the uk it's all there. It's tailor-made, you know, to have these big, you know, tentpole type of events. It's it's something, you know, and I'm actually glad that AEW has put his cards on the table and be like, you know what? We're going to be there every year. We're going there every year. We'll, we'll see you there next year. And, yeah. and we're going to make this a, a yearly thing to be able to bring this thing called professional wrestling to you guys in the UK. On a simple name called All In. Yeah. You know, nothing extravagant, nothing, you know, wow, you know, or anything like that. Hey, All In, come in, get, get your tickets, you know, uh, come come see this thing, you know, called AEW, you know, All Elite Wrestling. We're, we're going to provide a show for you. And the thing about Tony Khan, where you talked about the uh, the, the time difference, uh, what, Zero Hour started at 11 a.m. Central. It was done by, what, 4.30 p.m., you yeah. know? Five and a half hours, you know, you, you still got the rest of your day to go through. Uh, if you're here in the States, you know, watching this thing. If you're in London, 
Um, you still, you know, can do some things at night if you want to. Uh, Tony Khan, to his credit, understood um, the market. He understood uh, uh, the the need for this uh, to be able to put more eyeballs on, on professional wrestling. And he went out there and he took that risk. Uh, he obviously opened up the checkbook to make it happen. And um, I, I think it's something that, you know, other promotions, you know, really need to, you know, take a, a, a page out of. Um, we do have some closing comments, but the last thing I want to ask you is about uh, your letter grade. Uh, so on Good Karma Wrestling on Twitter, and some of you are watching through on Twitter or X, GKW underscore wrestling, what's your letter grade for all in? 40% of you say A, 27% of you say a B, 14% say C, and 19% of you are haters because you have a D. Um, so that's the, I'm glad the WWE uh, contingent has been able to jump in. 81,000 people, at least five of these matches were top shelf, at least five, 90% say it's a D. Well, you know, can I just tell you, jealousy is a stinky cologne. Why are you jealous? That's the only reason why I should have just not even put D on there because it did, this show did not deserve a D. Um, but let me get your letter grade, sir. What do you have? I I think this was a really really uh, this was a really great card. Um, it, it's uh, very least B plus to A minus at the that bare minimum. Uh, if you have anything if you have anything less than that, I don't know what you were watching tonight uh, because uh, from top to bottom, uh, this was just a really great card. You, you, we talked about FTR and the Bucks. Um, uh, we. Adam, the main event, obviously Adam Cole and, and MJF. Uh, both of your trios matches uh, were, were pretty solid. Although I prefer the um, uh, Bullet Code Club against uh, Golden Elite uh, a little more uh, with the trios matches. Uh, Jericho and Osprey put on a, a really solid match. I mean, there were you could look to, like you said, at least five matches where you can run that back uh, at, at, at any time. B plus to A minus. I probably lean more toward A minus uh, for th- for this card. It was really really good, and that's not even including the two matches for uh, the zero out, uh, which would you know uh, you looked at them. I I will watch this as soon as we're done. Those two <laughs> matches, uh, <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you've got anything under a B plus, what the hell were you watching? Uh, to those people who voted D, I I you know. There, there's nothing I can say to you. Yeah, yeah, just so go outside WWE. and breathe. Yeah, go, go outside, breathe, Tamara. <laughs> yeah, it's WWE fans. And that's fine. A little bit, yeah. Listen, in closing, I'll, I'll just say this. that it, And it felt like a it felt like a B-plus pay-per-view, but that's that has nothing to do with the 81,000 people that they drew, how mm-hmm. much excitement there was. Was it a late build? Yes, it was a late build. But as I always say on every, almost every show, when you get it in the ring – it should pop. When you get in the mm-hmm. ring, it should be fine because there's nothing like a wrestling pay-per-view where everyone is on the same page and they are able to take it up several notches than what you see on TNT and TBS or USA Network mm-hmm. or Fox. These these wrestlers understand, okay, the crowd that we're doing this in front of is bigger. The pay-per-view people are bigger. So we've got to be able to pull out all the stops. we got to be as smooth as possible, as demonstrative as possible, as entertaining as possible, so that way they mm-hmm. will come back. 
This is at a very usual time for AEW in which they have the show uh, at Wembley, and they're going to be in Chicago uh, pretty much all week here, uh, Wednesday, Friday, yeah. Saturday, Sunday. They're going to be around uh, all week, and they got to be able to pick up on and keep the momentum going from this. I mean, this, this mm-hmm. has been a great show, but they know they got to do even more so. And I just think that wrestling's in a great spot. And I'll say what others will not say, CJ, and that is Tony Khan should thank Roman Reigns, the Usos, <laughs> Paul Heyman, Sami Zayn, mm-hmm. Kevin Owens, and all those people with the bloodline. Because if you think that wrestling's in a renaissance just because AEW drew 81,000 people, no. It started with them the last two or three years with this story. And wrestling's cool again. So mm-hmm. what, here's, the, here's the bottom line. Everyone that has a good company sh- is, is growing across the board. WWE mm-hmm. for this whole bloodline thing and how they're getting you know, good numbers on Fox and USA and their pay-per-views. And they're traveling all over the country now to be able to have these big shows from there for whatever New Japan's doing, whatever the indies are doing, that those are growing because it starts in New York. The old adage in wrestling is if New York's doing well, everybody eats. New York, that was the old phrase, meaning, meaning Connecticut, yeah. meaning whatever happens in Madison Square Garden, every, and everyone eats. And back in the day, mm-hmm. if New York's doing well, world class is doing well, Florida's doing well. Croc is doing mm-hmm. well in the in the Carolinas. Portland's doing well with Don Owen. LA's doing well. Um, and all the points in between. Indianapolis doing well. Detroit and the Sheik. All those guys did well. Like, oh, mm-hmm. our, our attendance is up. Well, why do you think that is? Is because at the time Hulkamania was cool. And so because yeah. now everybody was getting paid. Same thing's happening here. This is not by coincidence. It's because everything is raising the bar. In professional mm-hmm. wrestling, and it, I'm here for it. I'm glad that you and I could do this show because the renaissance is here. No more John Cena and then turn the TV off. <laughs> this is wrestling across the board's cool from the indies all the way across, yeah. and it's pretty awesome. It it is awesome, um, and and you're you're right in that regard of the the bloodline story and how it's manufactured itself over the last three years to really be able to, like you said, not just pick up business for the WWE. I mean, that storyline was like the hottest storyline in, in all of professional wrestling, so much so that you've got people outside of who aren't even like wrestling fans, like casual fans, you know, acknowledging how cool wrestling is right uh, right now. It was a few months ago, I went to a movie with my wife and I had a, uh, uh, a Roman Reigns uh, acknowledge me t-shirt on. And yeah. I, as we're getting ready to go into the theater, you know, one of the people working there is like, I acknowledge my tribal chief. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those those things, you know, where that story helped like catapult, like you say, wrestling back into to being cool. It's not this fringe, you know, sport that you you, you kind of watched in, in the dark and you really didn't talk about it you know, with, with anybody, you know, and, and now you're just walking around, you're seeing people with wrestling shirts on all the time and, and, it, and it's cool and it's normal. And, and like I said, when, when Stanford, Connecticut is, is eating good, AEW is eating good, MLW is eating good, Impact's eating good, New Japan, you know, all of these wrestling promotions now 
uh, get this this type of uh, attention and spotlight that it may not have gotten five years ago, ten years ago. Uh, so it, again, if you're a fan of professional wrestling, this is an awesome time for you. Um, you've got so many options to choose from. Um, you've got so many uh, athletes, entertainers uh, to watch and, and be fans of. It is a, a great, great time to to be uh, a wrestling fan. Um, uh, I'm I'm happy. Um, uh, you and I both are long time um, uh, lovers and, and watchers of wrestling. Uh, very first um, entertainment event I ever went to was a wrestling show. My father took me to the Rosemont Horizon. It's all state arena for, for you youngins who don't know. <laughs> the Rosemont Horizon uh, to, to watch um, Greg Gagne's promotion. Uh, AWA. Yeah. AWA. Uh, the main event was a 20-man uh, battle royal. Nick Bockwinkel was there. Hogan was there. Uh, uh, Vern Gagne, Greg Gagne, uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine. Um, Bobby the Brain Heenan was there that night. So that's that's a 40-year love story for me, for professional wrestling. And to see where it is now, it's awesome. I, I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, tell people where they can find your blog. I'm sure there'll be a write-up about this uh, on uh, on the report. Yes, there will. The CTJ Report, the ctjreport.net. Uh, you can find it anywhere and everywhere. Uh, you can also uh, find me on Twitter or X or whatever the hell they're calling this place now um, at CTJ14. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely have a follow-up on uh, what was an amazing card tonight. Good Karma Wrestling every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. Hit that YouTube as well, youtube.com. Look for Good Karma Wrestling there. Hit that subscribe button. There's so many interviews that you might have missed that we've done. Uh, lately, we just talked to The Miz, which was an interesting conversation. Jake the Snake Roberts and so many others. Uh, Starcade, Starcade, Starcast is right around the corner as well in the Chicagoland area. We'll be there doing a live show as well. So hope that you'll be able to connect with us on YouTube. And, of course, keep voting uh, on GKW underscore wrestling on Twitter. Your thoughts about the show that took place today, the all-in show from Wembley Stadium, 81,035 people plus, as Tony Khan says, about 90,000 people probably with the ticket takers and everything else. But uh, it's just a great event. We had to do this special for you, the wrestling fan. Make sure you share this video with your favorite wrestling fan as well. So for CJ Taylor, I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks for watching our GKW All-In Pulse Show, and we will talk to you on Thursday for more Good Karma Wrestling. So long, everybody.